0: Hi, Deacon Bob here. Father Dave and I dedicated the end of a number of our They That Hope episodes to a reflection on St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we've put all of those together in a supercut so you can enjoy them all at once. Hope you're blessed, and remember, rejoice in the Lord always, and we say again, rejoice.
1: Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Philippians which is really cool. Um, when we first talked about this Bob said, "Well, what about the Philippians? Is is it one of your favorite books?" Yes. Okay. And so I remember kind of
0: actually as I was kind of fresh off a conversion someone suggested read the gospels and then read the letter to the Philippians and I was like, that's kind of deep in there, you know, like why but he just said, "Trust me, it's a really great yeah. place to start." Um, He said it's very accessible. You don't need to know a lot of back history with it. Paul's really positive with it. It's also known as the letter of joy, and we all like joy in our lives. But you've actually been to Philippi. I have. So why don't you maybe lead us with a little bit of—normally we'll start with the Scriptures, but with this first time, uh, we thought it'd be good just to give a little bit of the context as to who Paul was writing to when he was writing to him so we'd have a better idea of what he was saying.
1: That's fantastic. Thank you. i have just gone blank. Okay. So a little bit of context. First, if you take a look at the 16th chapter of Acts, you hear a little bit more about the letter of Paul to the Philippians because he talks about it. It's interesting. That's the first time that the gospel is preached in Europe. Okay. So Paul is he has this dream, and he says, you know, in this dream he hears, come and help us. We need help here. So he goes to Philippi. Is
0: Philippi still a place?
1: Yeah. yeah, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Where is it? What country is it in? It's in Greece. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: so it's in, in, if you go to Thessalonica, it's between Thessalonica and Athens, maybe a third of the way south of Thessalonica. So so when you do Footprints of St. Paul, it's one of the places, excuse me, you'll often go. Mm -hmm. So the place, there's a couple of places that you'd go in Philippi. Uh, Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. So if you look at the 16th chapter of Acts, you find the story of Paul in Lydia. So Lydia was a woman who was a woman of wealth, which is kind of interesting because women having businesses at that time would be a little bit unusual. Mm-hmm. They would generally speak of the male having wealth, but it was Lydia, the woman having wealth, and she was a dealer of fine cloth. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to Philippi right now, they, they talk about the a type of, again, in the 16th chapter of Acts, the type of cloth, the coloring. So it's really beautiful. The first time I went there, uh, it's, it's this field with a river running through it just full of flowers, these purple flowers. Well, one of the things is, is Lydia is baptized there. So one of the things you do when you go to Philippi, you do the renewal of baptismal vows. In the same li- river that Lydia would have been baptized in, we renew our baptismal vows, which is really, really beautiful. The other thing you'll do is you'll visit the prison. So again, in, in mm-hmm. Acts of the Apostles, it talks about the story where Paul is in prison and the angel comes and opens up. That's in, that happens in Philippi. So that's kind of a little context of, of his visits. There's some a little bit of a debate on the number of times that Paul went to Philippi. Some say two, so, some say three. So number of times he visited there. So that's kind of the his time in Philippi. Obviously okay. the letter to the Philippines uh, Philippians is not his time in, in right. Philippi. He's right. He's writing to them later. And there's some debate about that on, on where he was when he was writing. Um, it's clear that he's in prison. Yeah. So There's two two theories. One is that he's in prison in Rome, but it seems like more people today, more scholars today, think that he was probably in prison in Ephesus, which is in Turkey. Okay. So that he was writing the Philippians from prison in Turkey, which is interesting. And I think it's important to read the context because you, you just said it, it's it's a, a story of joy. It's a, yeah. a book of joy. Well, he's writing from prison and it's <laughs> right. still a book of joy. So that's something I think that they keep in context. And the other is, it's written probably around 55 AD. Okay, So he's writing from prison. He's writing to a community that he's visited a couple of times. He has a fondness to it. You see in Paul, it, this text, it, it kind of shares his heart. Yeah. It's a very personal about how he cares for them, so we we won't go too deep in the woods about some of the questions that was about was there some help writing it and those kinds of things. Right, but right. so that gives us a little bit of context about where the story. And he had
0: been from. there with Timothy. Yeah, because Timothy plays a couple a, of different people plays a good role in this particular right. letter as well. Did you see the Paul movie, by the way? I did. It was did. a great movie.
1: I did. You didn't like it so much. I didn't like it so much, but I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I liked it. I, one of the things that actually I thought it did really really well was the early community. Yeah, that's the, what really I thought that, was great. I thought about that it. was the best part of it. Some, yes. yeah, I thought the way that it created and and how it expressed and articulated the early community, the relationships they had, the struggles, I thought that was fantastic.
0: Yeah, it took some liberties with historical lines. Right. I mean, just the whole idea of having Luke visit Paul and stuff like that, but I thought in terms of getting his Getting the community right, the time right. right. Exactly. I think even just the heart, exactly. of what Paul was about. No, I. Agree. I, I thought all that stuff was really exceptional. I agree. Not I to agree. go too tangential, but I was just thinking of him in prison, and I, that also kind of helped me because I think of a prison, and I think of like American prison, you know, like a modern day prison. But back then, well, you were there. Like, what did prisons look like? I mean, well,
1: just the the place in, in Philippi. It's yeah, it was a kind of like a cave or a, a yeah. A, dug into the cave in the side of this hill area. So nothing too extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. And nothing too not, nice. <laughs> right, right. Not not like the prison like you see today with, with a thousand cells next right. to each other or anything like that. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, let's just begin by reading the words of St. Paul to the Philippians. Uh, we're reading chapter one, verses one through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in my remembrance of all of you, always in every prayer of mine for you for making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ." filled with the fruits of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Can I ask you one, one question real quick? What translation R- you RSV. Using? Okay. I might start reading another one, though. Okay. RSV is a little clunky, but it's really accurate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what?
1: so I was just looking at the numeric and revised.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit more of a flow to that. Yeah. So but
1: again, one of the things that you see at the very beginning is his I mean, he says, I hold you dear in my heart. Yeah. I hold you in my heart as partners with me. Um, in, interesting in imprisonment and in confirmation of the gospel. So I thought that's just a really beautiful, beautiful image. How I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. So that's it's a little bit unusual. Paul's a little bit more vulnerable in this and just sharing that his appreciation. But who of us who does ministry doesn't feel that? You right. know, even, even with this retreat you did, there's this fondness. When you go somewhere and you're able to proclaim the gospel, share the gospel, It sounds weird, but there's this connection that happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, you're you're part of a beautiful movement of the Spirit. Yeah, And I think something I had read also was that the Philippians had been generous to Paul. Yeah, Like, you know, they had really come through. I think we'll get that a little bit later. But, you know, when he was in desperate need, you know, they were able to send him some money or some help or something. Um, I I think also another thing about imprisonment is that usually when you're in prison— Uh, you know, there's not like a state government system that feeds you and takes care of all of your needs. Often when you're, often when you're imprisoned, you're hosed. Like if you don't have somebody that's bringing you food, you don't get food. You know, if somebody isn't taking care of your needs, you can just kind of wither away there. And so in many ways, you know, the Philippian support and other communities, I think the Thessalonians did something similar, um, was life-saving. You know, to what Paul was doing, and really allowed him to continue his ministry in a powerful way. One of my favorite verses in the whole letter, actually, is what we read, and I think about this often. It's verse six. I'm sure that knew that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, and that's such. I mean, a hopeful statement, right? You know, that God, uh, who began this work, you know, I. There's a song we used to sing in Young Life, uh, and it was like a African-American spiritual, but it went, um, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. And it's just yeah, such a great yeah, yeah. idea. Like, you know, God who has been faithful to us isn't just going to stop in the middle of it because he gets distracted and he starts working on something else. Like this idea that we can reflect on, we might be aware of how far we need to go, which is good to do in humility but we also should reflect on how far we've come, which is good to do with a spirit of gratitude and have confidence that the God who brought us this far, you know he wasn't bringing us this far to leave us, Uh, he wasn't bringing us this far to let us down, to forget about us, he who began a good work in us will go on until it makes its completion in Jesus Christ. And
1: the thing that I like about that is that I am as much in need of the Lord and his grace in my life the first day I was converted as to the last day before I die. It's mm. not like, it's not like I've, I've now grown so much in right. the spiritual life that I don't need him anymore or that I, I've got this. Yeah, you know, right. I've got this. I've learned enough. I've been doing this long enough. I'm, I'm able to do this, but it reminds us that, that like you stated that, it is his work in our life that's ultimately going to bring to completion, but it is his work in our life yes. that we need to be able to. So I thought that was beautiful, and I thought that's where you we were going to go. The one text I loved is actually verse 9 that says, and this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and of every kind of perception um, to discern what is the value. So this this relationship between the love of God being able to grow in us, our ability to love, and then and that allows us, a greater ability to discern what is important, what is God asking of us, what is He requiring of us. So just that idea of love growing within us, which was was wonderful.
0: And that's our hope for addressing this topic, that we pray as we continue to dive deeper into this letter, these uh, words of St. Paul, uh, that our love for God may abound more and more uh, for God and for each other.
1: Amen. So if you wanted to, it's the chapter is only four I mean, the, the book chapters. is only four chapters. So if you wanted to go ahead and, and read read, it, with us, read yeah. ahead or read along, right? And then that way, so it's not just us saying, oh, this is really what struck us, but it allows you to really engage with us and say, okay, this is what really struck me too. So I look forward to going through this. Yeah. Good idea, Bob.
0: Amen. Great. We are going to uh, continue in our study of the letter to Philippians. And today we are going to take a look at Philippians one twelve through 30. I want you to know, brothers, that my situation has turned out rather to advance the gospel so that my imprisonment has become well known throughout the whole praetorium. That's right. It's praetorium, right? Yep. Nice. There's a silent J in there. And to all the rest, so that the majority of the brothers, having taken encouragement in the Lord for my imprisonment, "'Dare more than ever to proclaim the word fearlessly. "'Of course, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, "'others from goodwill. "'The latter act out of love, "'aware that I am here for the defense of the gospel. "'The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, "'not from pure motives, "'thinking they will cause me trouble by my imprisonment. "'What difference does it make, "'as long as in every way, "'whether in pretense or in truth, "'Christ is being proclaimed. "'And in that I rejoice.'" Indeed, I shall continue to rejoice, for I know that this will result in deliverance for me through your prayers and support from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I shall not be put to shame in any way, but that with all boldness, now as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by my life or by my death. For me, life is Christ and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. Yet that I remain in the flesh is more necessary for your benefit. And this I know with confidence, that I shall remain and continue in the service of all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound on account of me when I come to you again. Only conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear news of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, struggling together for the faith of the gospel, not intimidated in any way by your opponents. This is proof to them of destruction, but of your salvation, and this is God's doing. For to you has been granted for the sake of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Yours is the same struggle as you saw in me, and now hear about me feel like I should say like the word of the lord or something. Okay. I just did. Thanks be to god. There you go. <laughs> uh some really powerful words of uh St Paul. This is still his first Now, we're saying by the way. I was about to say this is still his first chapter. Um the chapters and the verses were all added later. You know, this wasn't the case that Paul was like chapter 1. Um and so they tried to break it up somewhat thematically there. But clearly, um, you know, he had just uh, said hello to everybody, and he's speaking about his imprisonment. He's speaking about his current situation of what's going on. Uh, he's imprisoned by Rome, uh, Roman guards. we were not exactly sure where uh, he might have been imprisoned. Uh, we mentioned this in the last episode. Some say, some say it was Rome. Others say it might have been what was Ephesus. Was it? Ephesus, right? Um, but he's saying that everybody in you know the whole Praetorium uh, knows about him and. Uh, You know, I read a footnote that the Roman guards were probably treating him pretty well because, first of all, they they knew he wasn't a criminal, per se. You know, this was like a religious thing that was going on. And he himself was a Roman citizen. So instead of ending up in imprisonment and, uh, you know, really silencing him, Paul was discovering that by being in prison, he was having a greater opportunity to share the gospel and to spread the faith. And for that, he rejoices. And he says a few times in this thing, I rejoice. I continue to rejoice. Um, that being a major particular theme of this letter, and he has this little debate because he's he's he's, uh, he's he's awaiting trial. One of the possible outcomes of this trial could be death. Now, later on, it's it's assumed that this is one of his first imprisonments. Later on, he is going to have an imprisonment that will end up in his death. Yes, it will. And so that's part of his internal conversation. He's like, well. Um, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And it sounds it sounds almost bizarre, but he's like, well, you know, I know it's better if I die. Do you know it's
1: really, I love that part. He's, you see this kind of, he's trying to work this out in his own mind, <laughs> right? right? So, yeah. like, you know, all things being equal, I might prefer to live, but then dying isn't the worst thing either. You know, actually, yeah. dying's pretty good. But yeah. I
0: think if I'm going to live, I'm probably going to be living for you guys, just yeah, to yeah. just to say things like that. And I think it's always important to, you know, he's not talking about taking his own life or anything no, no, like no. that. Uh, he's just accepting the will of God, and he's realizing, well, one of the outcomes of this trial could be you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if that's the case, that's great. And if the outcome is, nope, you're going to keep living, well, okay, that's also okay. Right. So living in, living is Christ, dying is gain. Either way, he's going to come out on top.
1: Yeah, for me, the, the line that's kind of the hinge is, for me, life is Christ, and death is gain. So and you see that in this, well, you see that in everything Paul that does is, mm-hmm. is it's all about Christ. Christ is always the center of everything. So it doesn't really matter what happen, what's happening, what's going on. It's Christ in the middle of it. Even, even his imprisonment, he says, even this, he says mm-hmm. this situation, this situation is in prison, prison and the gospel is being furthered because of that. Amen. He, had a, he had an amazing ability to, and, and I think Francis sees he had the same ability to take the circumstances, whatever they are, and illuminate them by the grace of Christ, and that is—I think—that's one of the hallmarks of a saint: is that they're able to do that. It's not about what isn't; it's about what is, and God is present in this, and He is here, and He's close, and He's intimate, no matter what. So, for for me, that the text is um, for Christ is life,
0: and it—I think it's worth highlighting because it's so it's so obvious. We can ignore it, but His focus on just always talking about Jesus, yep. you know, uh, you know, he, in Corinthians, Actually, he let me says, just jump in. That's one of the things I've oh,
1: appreciated please. working with you for 25 years. When mm-hmm. we're doing events and conferences and even the stories about the Gospels are beautiful stories, but you are always saying, okay, what does this say about Jesus? What does it say about Jesus? And that's a good gift you have.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Well, and I remember that was a great line of Father Mike Scanlon, you know, yeah, preach Jesus. preach yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We actually have a Somewhere in here, there's a picture of Father Mike Stanley with just a quote. Somewhere it might be like six inches from you. It might be. I don't know if it's in. I don't know if it's in the frame. I'll make. I'll edit it and I'll make sure it's in the frame for those listening to the video. But even going back to um, what we were just talking about with the interview between Sheila Buff and Bishop Barron, and again, this is it's an interview, so we're not getting the whole depth of things, and so there's no judgment here. But something that was absent about his experience was talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I hope it was there. Maybe he just didn't mention it. of course, of course. But he was saying things like, I loved the community, even the liturgy. He was like, it's so beautiful, it's so profound. And, uh, you know, this experience of being in this movie and, you know, doing good things and finding peace in prayer. Well, I would propose to you that you could find that, those kinds of things in other places of the world and other faiths. I mean, you could, could find a really good community. You could, you know, you could go to transcendental something. Yeah, whatever. you know, like it. a near East, you know, like a, a beautiful setting and, and different, you know, like, like all what, what would make that stick? What would make that difference? Well, the answer is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it is encountering Jesus in the midst of the community. It's encountering Jesus in the liturgy. It's encountering Jesus as the source of peace. And, you know that highlight of, of Paul that he really wants the Philippians to keep grasping on. He's just he just wants to bring everything back to Jesus. You know that is the focus. And I would I would say that in our Catholic faith, we have so many beautiful things. We have so much great history. We have so much great art. Um, I think there can be a, a tendency to almost be distracted from Jesus. Like I think of this sometimes. I go places and they've got these gorgeous monstrances. Yeah. You know, you, you know, saints and etchings yeah, 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 and yeah. words and probably fake jewels. Maybe they're real jewels. I don't know. And it's almost like the the monstrance itself is so beautiful, you don't look in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't look and see Christ in in the middle right, of it. And right, I right. think, you know, that, I don't know, could be a temptation. No, I no, I times. think,
1: I think, again, that that the connection here is nice is that, and and I, to reiterate, we don't know what all the story is. I mean, he could have we've, we've both done this. We've given talks or said something. It's like, oh, we could have focused in more. So, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Right. so, so we, uh, you're no judgment is, is just to underline that with that being said, um, that is always a danger yeah. is that we, we get caught up in the accidentals mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't ultimately take us to the purpose and the meaning of, of everything that we're doing. And Paul, Paul reminds us of this in this text. Yeah, Maybe, maybe if I could, I know we're running near the end, but, just the text, and this is always such a convicting word for me. Um, conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel mm. of Christ. I mean, worthy of the gospel. I mean, he he's the holy one. He's the anointed. So conduct worthy of that. I mean, how oftentimes I fall short. Yeah. You know, so that's really a convicting statement of, of me continuing to try to recognize that and see that, that, that I treat somebody in a manner worthy of the gospel. Well, mm. the worthy of the gospel is... I was going to say my absolute best. It's more than that. It's 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 gr- the graced me. It's the graced me. It's the it's the prayerful, it's the thoughtful, it's the compassion. That's the worthy of the gospel. And that's that's a really challenging
0: statement. His fruit of the worthiness of the gospel is about standing firm in one spirit with one mind, struggling together for the faith of the gospel. And I uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was with uh, Andy Scherey doing vagabond missions and you know with missionaries and There's such a unity about them, but the unity comes from being focused on mission. Mm -hmm. And when we're not focused on mission, we can, well, we can kind of just be guilty of navel-gazing in a Mm -hmm. sense. You know, when we even talk about, uh, you know, the the tensions of liturgical styles, you know, that was brought up in that Mm -hmm. interview. Like, if we're focused on the mission, they don't go away, but they become less because— we realize there's something greater right that there's it's all towards jesus it that is all towards jesus and it it allows us to it allows us not to see the other as the enemy but right. as a brother who has a different way of approaching things right, right, you right. know and um this idea of this unity that really comes forward when we go on mission and i would say that many times in our parishes sadly well, what's it, Sherry Waddell uses that phrase, you know, that that a lot of places are in maintenance mode, not in mission mode. Mm-hmm. But the unity comes from when we stand together in one spirit with one mind, and when we struggle together, when we struggle together for the faith of the gospel, suddenly some of those other things, you know, again, they don't disappear, right. but they get in perspective.
1: Even Paul says that in, in verse fifteen, he says, "Of course, we some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry; mm-hmm. others, so that these these things <laughs> yeah. are going on." In, yeah, you know, in fifty four, fifty five, whenever it was written. So some of the things going on today yeah. are not terribly new.
0: Yeah, indeed. Amen. Amen. One last thing is, I really loved this phrase, and you use this phrase, uh, Father Dave. He talks about the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and I I think it was actually watching, um. The, the wild goose that I never really honed in onto that title of the Holy Spirit as, you know, this the Spirit of Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. And again, that's just a great example of Paul. You know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, um, and it's through him. I love that image. Yeah, and he just, it's through him that we can understand the Father and understand the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's joy, even in this midst of suffering, in this midst of difficulty, is finding that God is putting him in a place he didn't want to be. Nobody wants to be in Nobody wants to be in this difficult thing. I, I sure, I'm sure, i sure his first thought was, oh, no. Here I'm doing I am. something wrong. Yeah, here, yeah, and here, yeah. I am, here I am traveling all over the place, spreading the gospel, and now they're probably doing the worst thing they can do, which is they're locking me up. I'm not going to be able to travel anywhere. And through the spirit of Jesus, he's realizing, oh, it wasn't about me in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually reaching more people now just here yeah. than I possibly would in That's other cool. things. And for that, he rejoices. Amen. 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 All righty, so we are going to continue our journey in the letter to the Philippians. And today we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I'm reading in the... uh, Did you say... What did you say? Ephesians? Well, I looked at...
1: uh, (laughs) Oh, I totally (laughs) messed up. (laughs)
0: Is that why when you were like one to eight, I'm like eight's in the middle of a section. You dork. Are you ready oh for this? Gosh.
1: No, I'm not. <laughs> That's why I was looking at it and I said, this doesn't seem right. It's been a long day, okay?
0: I know, you and me both. All right, pause it for a second. I'll carry it once again. I'll take this show on my shoulders. All right. Well, we're gonna do. We're not gonna do Ephesians now. We're already committed to this. Next week, we're right, gonna do the go Gnostic Gospel of Thomas or something weird. All right, here we go. Pay attention, oh, Father Dave. Fine. You're leading this. This is fine.
1: This is fine. It's, this is my one of my favorite classic. texts. Yeah.
0: Go. <laughs> I, I hope so. Do you want to go to eight verse eighteen then, or do you want to just stick with? Um, no, let's just do. We'll, the, we'll, just, we'll just go to eleven. I, I yeah, I won't yeah, push alone. you too much. All right. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests but also everyone for those of others. Have among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The word of the Lord.
1: Gloria Dios. Thanks be God. God. Uh, it's it's funny. Um. This text is called the Canonic text or the Canosis. And, and if you were to choose um, maybe one of the I don't know the, the, a text that really embodies Franciscan spirituality or, or Saint Francis, it would be this text here. Um, Fr- St. Francis would say that the greatest sin was one of appropriation, is that one appropriates to oneself something that they don't that doesn't belong to them. Um, and, and that could be things that are, are, you know, wealth or power or influence. But then also um, things that aren't necessarily good you take upon yourself. So the the opposite of this is this text right here. It's called the kenotic text or kenosis, and kenosis is I, I know very very few Greek words, but this is one that I know, and it's called it's this self-emptying. It's Though he was in the form of God, Jesus empties himself. He takes the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and he humbled himself. And this is really for for Francis, and I think for Franciscans, it's it's at the heart of the spiritual life. We speak, and I think we think a lot about the spiritual life of one of building up and you know, getting and, and more virtue and more this and more that. But but for Francis it wasn't about getting, it wasn't appropriate, it wasn't, it wasn't gathering, it was actually about letting go and surrender and emptying. So, for he at the heart of the spiritual life is that self-emptying. And, and that's when, I, I mean, I would say honestly, Bob, the vast majority of my prayer is that. It's going before the Lord and just letting go and surrendering and being quiet and, and being emptied. And I would say that, that, that I wanna be so empty that the only thing that remains is him. So get rid of everything that's in me, everything that's of me. Everything that's of the flesh. And I love in First Peter where it says, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares about you. Again, it's that, it's that letting go and it's that emptying that, that I think is at the heart of the spiritual life. The other is that, I don't know, it just seems, it seems easier. That, that It's not about acquiring. It's not about getting. It's not about building. It's about, it's about letting go. It's about being small. It's about being little. And that's just that was this text was really at the heart of Francis. It's obviously at the heart of the church. It's one of the few scriptures that we do every week. We do it on the evening prayer on Saturday
0: every week. So it's really kind of important for the office of readings as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you know that connection with emptying is connected to humility. Even, um, even with the verse you said, cast all your cares on Him be, because He cares for you. Uh, in that, in that letter of Peter, the the verse that precedes it is humble yourselves under God's mighty hand Mm -hmm. that he may lift Mm -hmm. you up in due time. And so part of the gift of humility is the gift of, I can be humble because I trust in the Lord, because I am confident that God will provide. And um, it's that love of the Lord that really guides us in that. Okay. What you just said was so cool, and it actually reminded me of something that uh, Blessed John Paul the First said. Give me a second to find this, and I might. I okay, might do well, a I'll bit fill the editing, so it doesn't sound like it's going to take that long. To, I'll, to do I'll, it,
1: well, I'll, I'll fill. I'll fill the time as you're looking for that, because it actually made me think as okay. you were reading that 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 one of the things that this text is is that. I mean, if, if if we have nothing to pray about, just imagine that, that God humbles himself and takes the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. Uh, to many of the people, in, in particularly the Greeks, that would be ludicrous, that God would humble himself and take on flesh is just... I mean, God was totally other. He was... The idea that God and man would come together was just so crazy. But one of the things when you were reading about John Paul, how he engaged the culture, how he engaged those... That's the nature of the incarnation is, is that God takes on flesh and he meets us where we are and he brings about transformation from that. And I think that's the basic message of evangelization and ministry is that we're willing to engage the world, engage the culture, engage the people that we're with so as to bring about transformation. And and that text, the other is, and did you find it yet? Because I'll still, one more point.
0: No, keep talking. That, I mean, what you're yeah, saying one, is so cool. Actually, I'm really engaged yeah,
1: Well, <laughs> one One of the things that Contra la Mesa, uh, Father Renero Contra Mesa, the papal preacher, uh, he said one of the great gifts to theology that Francis and Franciscans give is uh, reflecting on God's humility, is that it's an attribute of mm-hmm. God that we don't generally recognize. And that's where this text, again, that God takes on flesh. I mean, that's just, what a profoundly humble act. I mean, I, I we always joke. It's like, well, what the, what would that look like for me? I mean, to become a fly to be I don't know. I mean, God, he, he cloaks himself in flesh, and there's that's such a profoundly humble, vulnerable, um, intimate. I mean, just it's pretty remarkable. This is you know, one could spend a great deal of time just reflecting on this text.
0: The other, yeah, and it is your, beautiful how the church. No, no, please.
1: No, just the last thing I was going to say is that I often remind myself, I say I need AA, which is an attitude adjustment, because I love what it says. Among yourselves, Mm -hmm. your attitude must be that of Christ. Your attitude must be that of Christ, and then it goes, though he was in the form of God. So this is what the attitude of Christ is.
0: And we mentioned this last time, just how Christocentric Paul is and everything that he does the example is always jesus and so coming out of uh, last week's podcast or you know the last scripture that we were discussing he's speaking to the community and he's saying things like conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of christ and i'm struggling in the faith and he begins this part by saying look you know i mean if there's any encouragement any solace any participation any compassion and mercy Complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. And he puts Christ as the center of that example. You know, we do live in a time uh, that is so divided. And it's divided in the culture, and it's divided in the church. And it almost seems like this kind of statement is a bit naive. But what Paul is really encouraging the early Christians to do in this theme of unity is such an important part of faith. Um, is really about, let's look at Christ. You know, he said in last week, we talked about this idea that we would be struggling together for the faith of the gospel with one mind. I think if we are gospel-centered, if we're Christ-centered, it doesn't mean there's not differences, but our differences actually bring about a greater sense of beauty in the life of Mm. the faith. It becomes a healthy diversity as opposed to a division, which of course is what the devil wants to do. The devil, right. the accuser of brothers is always trying to have us turn against each other. And yet this love of God, it's like, when we see what Christ went through, when we see what Christ did, you know, at the heart of it, it, it should, it should move us. It should change us. It should, uh, you know, make us appreciate in a different way, the, the faith. The thing about John Paul the first, um, and it's just a simple thing. But again, I encourage everybody to read these things. Uh, his motto was humilitas. Hmm. That was it. Humility. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was like yeah. all yeah. he wanted. You know, when it was like, what's your papal motto? He just said, humilitas. And, and cool. clearly, like in his own life and his own spirituality, and you can just read it in his writings, That this I think this section just so beautifully reflects you know, the spirituality of our most recent blessed, you know, you know, Pope John Paul I. That's, the cool. first of That's cool. Just a giving of self and even in the way that the Lord used him, which was to really pave the way for John Paul II. I mean, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. remember reading that many, um, many of the, the cardinals at the time were so shocked that he died so quickly that... It made them rethink what kind of pope they should vote for. Right, um, right. You might. Rem- I don't know if you were here yes. for this, but we had uh, one of our commencement speakers was a cardinal who was the secretary for Paul VI, for John Paul I, and for the beginning of John Paul II's pontificate. The stories he told were incredible. But one mm-hmm. of my favorite stories he told was about John Paul I and what a gentle human being he was, what a holy man he was. And how actually he said to the secretary that I should not have been elected pope. The guy behind me should have been elected pope. And, you know, the secretary was like, that's nice, Holy Father. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And after he passed away, that cardinal looked at the seating chart of that conclave. And right behind him was Carol yeah, yeah. John John Paul II. So even in his very life, that attitude of it should be somebody else. And he
1: he also said that his pontificate would be short, didn't he? That that oh, I
0: don't know, Pope maybe John didn't.
1: Paul. I believe I believe John Paul said something to that effect that his, his pontificate would be short. Well, then let's make this our prayer. Then this week is that Lord, we just thank you, um, yeah, for for being the center of our lives, and we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit and bring grace that our attitude would be that of Christ, uh, that our attitude would be. That of uh, blessed John Paul I, that we approach you, Lord, and we approach all p- brothers and sisters in a humility, and then we empty ourselves so as
0: to be able to encounter you. Uh, we are now looking into our continual journey into the letter of the Philippians, and we are picking up where we last left off. Or Ephesians, you know. <laughs> Or Galatians. Um, we are going to do chapter 2 verses 12 through chapter 3 verse 1. It's a little odd break, but it's the way it is. So then my beloved, obedient as you have always been, not only when I am present, but all but all the more now when I'm absent, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is the one who for his good purpose works in you both desire and to work, both to desire and to work. Do everything without grumbling or questioning. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine like lights in the world, as you hold on to the word of life, so that my boast for the day of Christ may be that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out as a libation upon the sacrificial service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with all of you. In the same way, you should rejoice and share your joy with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be heartened by my hearing news of you. For I have no one comparable to him for genuine interest in whatever concerns you. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his worth, how as a child with a father he served along with me in the cause of the gospel. He it is then whom I hope to send as soon as I see how things go with me. But I am confident that the Lord I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. With regard to Aphrodite Ephroditus. Fred, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister in my need, I consider it necessary to send him to you, for he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was ill. He was indeed ill, close to death, but God had mercy on him, not just on him but also on me, that I might not have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore with with greater eagerness so that on seeing him you may rejoice again and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him then in the Lord with all joy and hold such people in esteem, because for the sake of the work of Christ he came close to death, risking his life to make up for those services to me that you could not perform. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Writing the same things to you is no burden for me, but it is a safeguard for you. The word of the Lord.
1: Gloria a Dios. That's great.
0: Maybe just start with the end there, um, because that ending part is just a cool letter. You know, it's a nice, it's just a nice insight Mm -hmm. into the Christian community. Um, You know, you get to hear about how much Paul loves Timothy, you know, apparently um, Ephrathodius. Yep. uh, That the Philippians sent Ephrathodius to Paul because they were worried about how Paul was doing. Paul is in prison and when you're in prison, you know, they don't necessarily have like a whole system that takes care of you. If you're in prison, you need other people to really be taking care of you. So clearly the community at Philippi felt so concerned that Paul was in prison. They sent somebody and then he himself got really sick and they were quite anxious about what's going on with him. We get so used to living in a communications age, you know, where you would just like text somebody something yeah, and, yeah. um, yeah, so they're just waiting around to hear the news, and that's part of this letter is, hey, he's okay. I'm going to send him back. Timothy's going to come. I hope to come as well. And anyway, I just think it's really – it really just shows a beautiful – it's a community taking care of it, each other, yeah, yeah. you know, it, and um, I think that's kind of a nice thing to do. But I think the real um, – I mean, there's just some great content in that beginning that I read, verses 12 through 18. My beloved is beating as you are um, – work out your salvation in fear and trembling. That's an interesting phrase. And I try to look a little bit more into that because Mm -hmm. at just first blush, you hear the phrase fear and trembling, and you think like abject terror, you know, like, Oh Lord, don't kill me. Don't kill me. Right. right. right? Um, It's the third time actually in the scriptures that Paul uses that phrase. Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. So it seems like it's a little bit of like a It goes back to it. It, it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a a common phrase. He used it in in the letter to the Ephesians where he talks about slaves should be in fear and trembling not just of their master but also of the Lord. Uh, He talked about it in his first letter to Corinthians when he's writing about Titus, and he said, I think it's great that when Titus showed up, uh, you gave him the obedience and responded to his teachings in fear and trembling. And the the idea of obedience is always connected to the fear and trembling. It's more like, um, it, it's a reverence, it's an awe, uh, it's not terror. I think that's probably the right. biggest thing to communicate. Right. Sometimes people hear "work out your salvation in fear and trembling," and they go, "Oh, I should really, like, freak out before the Lord." But you know, I uh, when I went to the NBA All Star Game and I took my daughter Eliana to it. And we got to meet one of the Cavs players, Evan Mobley. She was in fear and trembling. Fear and I mean, it was just yeah, yeah. cute. You know, she was like, oh, I can't believe that I'm meeting yeah. an all, you know, a, a, an NBA player and a Cavs player. And I thought to myself as she was like, "It," her reaction was like fear and trembling. I thought, oh, that's the kind of way that yeah. we should be coming to the Lord.
1: Yeah, the thing that I like about it is, you know, and this is obviously the question, have we been saved? Mm. I mean, and Paul is saying, work it out. You yeah. know, that the, yes, the, the merits of Christ so that's what, what saves us, but we need to work with that. We need to cooperate that, that the the word and it's no single word kind of captures fear and trembling, but right. it, in some ways it's a respect or an honor, a reverence, you know, um, a uh, diligence maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all This those Bible verses, actually
0: in the footnote says awe and seriousness.
1: Okay, I like That's that seriousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like the that seriousness, seriousness too. Right, right, right. That's actually a really good word that, that we're gonna we're gonna work at this. We're gonna take it serious, we're not gonna ignore it. We're gonna continually do it, continually do that. That that you know, yes, I believe by the merits of grace of Jesus and by this Holy Spirit that I can be saved. But I need to work at it. Yeah. I need to Amen. continue to work to be faithful, I need to continue to seek the Lord, I can need to continue to pray, I need to continue to look at my my weaknesses and, and you know, the ways that I'm not patient when I should be, or disciplined yeah. when I should be, those kinds of things, and not just say, okay, well, that is what it is. But we continue to work at that, and we take it seriously. So, yeah, that's great.
0: Throughout Paul's letters, and we'll get to this even more in chapter three, because he's going to come back to the theme. When Paul talks about salvation, he talks about it in three ways. I I am saved, I am being saved, and, and I will be saved. Yeah. And, and that's very Catholic. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that understanding. Even because sometimes we're Protestant brothers and sisters have that once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that for when we as Catholics hear that, we can think sometimes, oh, so they think they're saved and nothing else matters. Yeah. But we know a lot of Protestants who they're working hard at their faith. Yeah, and, sure, that's, sure. and I think that's exactly what Paul's trying to say. You know, sometimes I think we can almost get too buddy-buddy with God and we can not take it seriously. And so that's what Paul is suggesting, the, telling the Philippians to do. Like, look, take this seriously.
1: What is and your it, Bible? What's the heading that your Bible has on that On right before verse 12?
0: That's a good question. Obedience and service, service in, in the, the world. world. Okay, that's
1: what mine is too. Yeah, we're using the same Bible, yeah. I think.
0: The, the New American Bible Revised Edition. The, text, Nabra.
1: The, the word that just really struck me as I was looking through and praying through was the word obedience. And it's funny because I think in some ways, the word obedience has a neg- a really negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Be obedient. Be obedient. But Paul continually comes to that theme as well. Yes. Is that is that it, it demands, I mean, if we take a look at the the fall and, and at the nature of the fall is that Adam and Eve weren't obedient. Yeah. And the, the not the majority. Our sin is ultimately a question of obedience. Yes. So Paul continually comes back to that. And and there again, there's a way that we, we kind of resist obedience. It's almost like an oppressive word, hmm. but I think in fact it's quite the opposite. To be be obedient to the gospel is ultimately liberating, yeah. right? Because what sin does is it is it ties me down, it, it, it constricts me, it doesn't allow me to be free. So it, it's interesting the way the evil one kind of thwarts those things. It kind of confuses those. I want to be obedient. But, and maybe just on that, that I remember when I was in seminary there was a particular professor he was he was just an interesting guy He rode a mi- motorcycle as a priest mm. rode a motorcycle had a you know a long hair and ponytail butter. yeah ponytail right that's uh, something that I don't do a lot with but um he was just an interesting person, but like he loved the Lord and he loved the church mm. and he said, you know there have been there're going to be times in your guy's life when you're gonna come kind of face to face with a teaching or a way the teaching is presented, or or a bishop, lots of diocesan clergy there, could be a provincial or a pope. Uh, and he said, there has to be some time in your life that you're going to have to bow your head in submission. Hmm. And and I've, I've just really prayed about that a lot over the years, that just those two images, one, you know, you're going to stand up against them and you're going to fight, or you're going to take a breath, you're going to bow your head and be obedient and submissive. And that's I mean, I think that's what Paul is continually coming back to.
0: I think it's part of our American culture. Yeah. You know, I mean, our whole country was founded on rebellion and founded on this idea of inalien- inalienable rights. Yeah, yeah. I've got rights as an individual that nobody can ever take from me. And as we were talking earlier. Which we agree with. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's just, a, but it becomes a culture then of everything is going to be filtered through my own lens yeah, and yeah. do I like this? And, um, you know, in the, in the history of the early United States, I think it was Pope Leo XIII who wrote about—he was concerned about a heresy that he called Americanism. Yeah, yeah. And it's this idea of you think you're supposed to vote on everything. You yeah. know, like there's a almost a democratic spirituality, and it's not making you— It's not the way the church works. It's not the yeah. way the church works, and it's not the way God works. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really the, the heart of it. You know, it's like there are times that we just have to say, because— because God's in charge, and we might disagree with it. Well, right? and,
1: and even in that, he, Paul talks here about a twisted and depraved generation, perverse yep. generation, crooked and perverse generation. Yeah. Um, it's always been that way. Yeah. You know, we look around and we saw them, things that were so messed up, and are they messed, more messed up? I, who's to judge? Just messed but, up differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a perverse and twisted generation, and it's always been that
0: way. Yeah, same circus, different perverse and <laughs> twisted <great>. clowns, <laughs> that's really. That's, that's how it that's works. That's For God is the one who, for his good purpose, works in you both to desire and to work. Um, And that follows that fear and trembling statement, and I think that's important. He's trying to say, yes, you're working out your salvation in the reverence and the awe and the seriousness, but the reason you're doing it is because God's at work in you. And I love that line. I I fumbled it when I first read it. But it's God who, for his good purpose, works in you both to desire, to want holiness, and to work. For holiness, that's great. and it needs to be more than just, uh, I wish I was holy, right? You know, right, like right. we can all like sit around wishing we were holy, but it's actually through God's grace and the power of God in us, allowing us to be something we couldn't be on our own, because of the twisted and depraved world yeah, yeah, in which we yeah. live, uh, which is holiness, yeah. and that's that's the goal of it. And he goes on to say, do everything without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and that grumbling and questioning really for any Jewish reader would harken back to the time of Moses mm-hmm. and you know th- that phrase of grumbling you know the 40 years in the desert you know the Israelites were just always grumbling always complaining and every morning in the invitatory of uh, the liturgy of the hours we reflect or at least most mornings on Psalm 95, which is, if today you hear the voice of the Lord, don't let your hearts be hardened as they were in the wilderness. And so like every morning we wake up and it's like, look, God's like, look, I spent so much time with those people, a whole generation. I was feeding them. I was giving them water from a rock. They were still complaining and murmuring and grumbling. And so here Paul is saying, in the light of the spirit of God working in us, do everything without the grumbling or the questioning. That's that obedience thing that we may shine like lights in the world as we hold fast to the word of life
1: yeah the, yeah the I, I like that image of shining forth uh, what we say it again Just, sure uh,
0: Among whom you shine like lights light, in the world lights and in the world right yeah. So
1: when we think of what's going on in the world, the the faithful Christian, the faithful Catholic, um the one who is um, not grumbling, who does it with joy at the end of this this particular chapter talks about joy. I mean, that's a light that we so desperately need yeah. right now, Amen. right? Everybody jumps on. Everybody's so quick to jump on when things are wrong or something's not going right or they didn't like this or that, but to be able to do that without complaining and yeah, that's great.
0: Well, and you Paul know, had it together. Yeah. Paul had it together. Well, and I would like to highlight actually one of the reasons why we even do this podcast and something that we've always, I think it's just part of our personalities in general, but that. um, you know there are other there are other voices out there, and it is grumbling and complaining. Sure, sure, it can it's sure. really easy to get negative. It's really easy to be cynical. It is a crooked to and perverse generation. Right, yeah, right. We're it not is a, denying that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's absolutely. You know, and, and now there's Paul. He's saying like, look, yes, it's absolutely messed up, but if you really want to shine, don't complain about it. Yeah, don't yeah. grumble about it. Uh, that doesn't mean don't do things about it. No, it's not, not trying to, you know, spin the other It's, not, it's also
1: not to call it out because he spends, Paul spends oh, a lot of he, time calling it he out. He calls a lot right? of it out,
0: but he's doing something about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. again, it goes back to that actively working and doing it all in this spirit of fear and trembling, of awe, of reverence, of seriousness, and relying that it's God's work. You know, Jesus said, you are lights to the world. We see this echoed in what Paul is saying, uh, that you would be lights in the world as you hold on to the word of life. And I think, that's, I think that's the heart of it. Like, you know, what's the anchor in a perverse, uh, you know, generation? What's the, what's the anchor in a crazy storm of this world? We hold on to God's Word, you know. And, and as Catholics, God's Word doesn't just exclusively mean Scripture. It's tradition and Scripture. It's the teaching. It's the revelation of God given to us through the church. It's the sacraments. And when we hold on to that, I mean, gosh, no matter how bad life is, yeah. we get to receive the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's... I mean, that, that's that's a, cause that's a plus. That's a plus, that's a plus. that's that's cause for rejoicing. And that gets us to the end of this section. Um, he almost he concludes this little part of the letter of saying, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And uh, he's already said that a few times. He's going to say that a few more times. But even in light of all these things that are going on, uh, it's God that gives us joy. The world will never give us joy. Um, but God is the one that gives us joy. And in the midst of all of it, We should give him praise and rejoice. And today we're reading uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 2 through 11. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision, we who worship through the Spirit of God, who boast in Christ Jesus and do not put our confidence in the flesh although I myself have grounds for confidence, even in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he can be more confident in the flesh, all the more can I. Circumcised on the eighth day of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew parentage, in observance of the law of Pharisee, in zeal I persecuted the church. In righteousness based on the law I was blameless. But whatever gains I had, These I have come to consider a loss because of Christ. More than that, I even consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depending on faith, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Probably good to put some context there. Um, One of the big things that Paul was often arguing against was a group called the Judaizers. And these were uh, Jews who had accepted Christ but felt very strongly that what Jesus did, you know, obviously being a fulfillment of the previous covenants, but you need to keep the other covenantal things as well. So that means you have to eat kosher meat, you know. Um, the big exactly. thing is meat. it's been sacrificed. Right, not meat eat, and then you need to be circumcised. Now, of course, for, you know, young Jewish males they would do it on the 8th day, but if you have a a, an adult Greek convert you go here. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like this, this, is was, this was part of the tension. And so that's why when Paul was talking about, you know, beware of the mutilation, uh, we are the circumcised. We worship in the spirit of God. What Paul is trying to say is like, that's not in this new covenant. That's not what we need to live out anymore. It's not about the externals. It's not about the bloodline. Anymore, uh, we're all adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that was very, that was really revolutionary yeah, at the right. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we kind of like, yeah, that's the way it was. But that was a huge tension in the early church. When you look at Acts, um, you know, that becomes a big, a big decision that the apostles make. You really see the first council of Jerusalem later on. When we read Galatians, you'll see that Paul will call Peter to task on the fact that he seems to be going back to the. The Jewish way of doing things, and not realizing the the witness that it's giving when he's out trying to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And so and that's just, that.
1: Just on a side note, with that, you really yeah. see you begin to see the primacy of Peter in that whole conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And Peter steps up; he's got the vision. And you know, what, what? Who are you to make unclean what I've made clean? So, but you can't you can't stress enough the importance that this was. Yes. You know, in the church, in in, in her becoming to understand more clearly that there's something different here, even in that Paul. Paul says at the beginning of that, he says, In zeal I persecuted persecuted the church, and righteousness based on the law. Right. And realizing, okay, that there's something other than, than the law, or the law is going to be a person now, not just merely
0: uh, dis- descriptions or inscriptions of things that had to be done. And he said he was blameless in the law. And, you know, D- Dr. John Bergsma, gave he always gives great talks. Yeah. But one very insightful talk he gave uh, was about the... Um, The Adulterous Woman, John chapter 8. And he said, you know, sometimes people think that when Jesus says, you know, if you're without sin, be the first to catch the stone, that they started dropping rocks because they felt so guilty about, yeah, I guess I'm a sinner too. But John actually said, no, there's something deeper there. Actually, many Jews really thought that they were blameless. You know, I never killed anybody. I never had, a, you know, I never slept I with never, somebody I else's I never, wife. Right. I never, I never, Holy I never. Richard, man, I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't. Yeah, and that, and, and what Jesus was trying to say, like, you know, if you, if you look at somebody lustfully, you have, or if you are angry, you know, if you said something bad, you've killed them. Like, Jesus, like, really took the law so much deeper, but for so many of the people at the time, it was that shallow. It was, I wash my hands the right way before every meal. I am blameless. And that's. Where Paul's trying to say, like, no, the real circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. He'll say that later, you know, like this idea that I actually acknowledge, whoa, I am, I'm way off. Well, it, it doesn't, I mean, he, he basically says,
1: according to the law, justified him persecuting the church. Yeah. Like, right? I can do this because, and and I always, I always love Paul, one of the things I love most about Paul is, is that Paul had baggage. I mean, yeah. I came deeper into the Lord. I was never terribly far away, thank the Lord, but I came deeper in relationship to the Lord. And then even in that think back, oh, I wish I would have done this different. I wish I would have done that mm-hmm. different. And I mean Paul literally was killing Christians. yeah so talk about a person who doesn't who comes to the faith with baggage and, and there was this profound movement of grace in the Lord in him saying, okay, that's not who I am, right? But the Lord has freed me from that. Right. Yes, that
0: was a part of my background, part of my history. But, but it's saying, not. saying to himself but they're blasphemers and they deserve to die, yeah. and I'm actually doing good by the Lord. Right. And yeah, having that moment of being cut through to the heart,
1: you know, yeah. just one of the things that we we speak about when we when you're in Philippi, or where there's a prison that Paul was also. Paul didn't obviously write this from Philippi. He right. wrote this to, them, but he was in prison in Philippi. And there's an area where it was the public latrine, and when he says, the rest is rubbish, the word, the word rubbish is... Is poop. Yeah, you know, yeah, we chose to stick with the word rubbish, yeah. but, but <laughs> right. in essence, this is crap. You yeah. know, the rest of this is just, it's just yeah. pointing the latrine. I latrine, mean, this is,
0: that's my name, Paul, like, the dogs, he, he was just so colorful in the way yes. that he used the language. Yeah, he was he was fiery and he was yeah. passionate, and, mm-hmm. you, and you really see that. And so even he who felt like he knew everything about the law and he was living the law, now he's living grace. And he's finding, um, right, I consider everything as a loss for the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus. Um, And yeah, that even more extreme thing, you know, I consider everything else so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of from God to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings by being conformed to His death. Um, I mean, wow, that's so profound. You know, in the Catechism, I remember the first time I read the Catechism, they had a section on the qualities of a catechist, and I was expecting they're going to encourage you know sound theological training and other things. They actually quote this section. They said that the the real knowledge of Christ has to be this kind of knowledge to know him, and to be conformed to his suffering, to know him in the resurrection, and really to consider everything else as garbage if only we can know who Jesus Christ is. Um, that's our rock, that's our salvation, that's our hope in what and this we do. Is, this
1: is just one of the things
0: that I think, I think is so powerful, having again just been in Europe, and we
1: talked a little bit about the history of, of the church, and, and there's, you know, when, when you look at the history of 2,000 years, there's there's ebbs and flows, there's peaks and valleys. And and one of the things is is the, the time that we we lose focus of Christ, where the time where the focus becomes, I don't know, some some particular dogma. And not, please, dogma is important. That's mm, not what I'm right, saying. Right, right. But that, that becomes, or a particular way to do liturgy becomes so much the focus that we forget Jesus. Yes. And this is what Paul, I mean, he, he talks about all these, he was a great Jew, I mean, a perfect Jew. We can be a perfect, quote-unquote, perfect Catholic and do all the right things, and thinking that that's going to justify me because yeah. I, I went pray to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday. I pray the rosary. Um, I know blah blah blah. But if we don't know Jesus, it's all it's all rubbish, is what he's saying. Yeah. Right. And that's that's a common thing. It was true two thousand years ago. It's true today. Is is let's not lose sight of the law, regulation, dogma, doctrine, rubric. Yeah. All of those things. Nobody's saying they're not important, but in the light of Christ's death and resurrection and sharing in his suffering, being conformed to him, all of those, the purpose of all of those is to bring us to those places.
0: I love what the bishops are emphasizing with the Eucharistic awareness and Eucharistic revival. They, it's not just about coming back to Mass. It's about encountering jesus christ in the mass in the mass you know it's about you know the eucharist is not a what it's a who you know it's it's jesus and that emphasis i think is so important because i think it is our human nature that we would like to fall into if i do this this and this i'm okay right um because that's the surface and that's what's easy for and i fall into that too you know like we all can do that and i like what you're saying like no well i haven't done this i haven't done this i haven't done this Therefore, I'm a good person. Yeah. And we're all being invited to a circumcision of the heart, yeah. you know, like a real depth of sacrifice and letting ourselves be suffer with Jesus and die with Jesus so that we might be resurrected
1: with Jesus. And, and maybe just one last word on that, Bob, because and it's, and what I hear about in, in confession so often is this, this attitude that, okay, I'm living faithfully, I'm, I'm trying my best. And then an individual falls, maybe struggles with a particular sin, pornography, or something like that. could be something else. And and they almost judge their whole spiritual life by that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing well if I don't commit this particular sin. I'm doing horrible if I continue this. And I just don't think the Lord sees it like that. that, That we need to continue to try. We need to continue to get up. We need to continue to repent. We need to continue to ask for the Holy Spirit. But that's all part of this journey, this metanoia that we experience. So that we don't merely judge our whole spiritual life by well, I excel again. Yeah. yeah, or judge somebody else's spiritual exactly. Exactly. life by the yeah. one particular yeah. sin Absolutely. that we think is the deal breaker.
0: Yeah. I put out a meme a number of years ago, so we need to quit judging people because they sin differently than we do. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's a true statement. Yeah. And it's not the righteousness based on law, but by grace. Yeah. So if you're hearing this, and I mean, that speaks to my heart. I'm sure it speaks to yours as you're listening, uh, that we would allow ourselves just to... Just to let Jesus love us, to receive his grace, to not live on a righteousness of the law, but a righteousness of faith. And share in his suffering to be conformed. Amen. Awesome. Amen. And we are in Philippians chapter 3. And verse we are 12, beginning with verse 12 for the rest of the chapter.
1: And verse 12, it says, It is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity. But I continue my pursuit in hope that I may possess it, since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I, for my part, do not consider myself to have taken possession. Just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit towards the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. Let us then, who are perfectly mature, adopt this attitude. And if you have a different attitude... This, too, God will will reveal to you, only with regard to what we have attained, continue on the same course. Join with others in being imitators of me, brothers, and observe those who thus conduct themselves according to the model you have in us. For many, as I have often told you, and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction." Their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him to bring all things into subjection to himself. Amen? The word of the Lord. Gloria a Dios. All right, so uh, one, one thing that struck me was this sense, particularly in the first ver, in the first paragraph, uh, verses twelve to fifteen or sixteen, and Paul's talking about how I've not already taken hold, but I have not attained perfect maturity. I continue in my pursuit, pursuit yeah. of hope. Um, but that idea of maturity, uh, there's there's been all kind of debate on what that word is in that perfect maturity is. Um, Almost like uh, that, the, the word for perfection is almost like growing up, is maturing. Mm. So that you've got a child, but growing to that perfect maturity in Christ Jesus um, is is this process that one goes through. Again, it, it's a consistent theme that we see of Paul. The hear of Paul is that um, the journey is never over. So he right. says we're not merely looking at the past, we're not looking at what's been done, we're not going to rest on our laurels, but we're continuing to look forward. He says obviously in hope, which is really beautiful, but that continually continuing to look forward, recognize that what we've done, he uses in another term, it's straw, it's rubbish in the past, Right. so that we continue to move forward in that. But but again, it's that process that we've not reached full maturity. Uh, we're not totally, we've not, um, he says in the verse 15, we're not perfectly mature, but we
0: need to continue to strive for that. And I, I love, you know, if you ever have a chance to, I mean, hopefully you'll read through the letters of Paul, But um, in the Bible, the letters of Paul are uh, actually—they're not published in chronological order. They're published by length, oddly enough. So Romans is the first letter because it's the longest, and then 1 Corinthians is the second longest, and they put 2 Corinthians next to it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's cool if you just go online, and there's a little bit of debate sometimes as to the order of the letters, but if you read the letters in order— you really start seeing this very beautiful narrative of Paul and this running the race analogy, right. And uh, you know here he's probably this is one of the middle ish letters you know that that he wrote. Uh, and he uses this analogy a couple other times in letters where he's saying like, look, I'm I'm striving, I'm forgetting what's in be, you know behind. Looking I'm ahead. pressing on right, right, towards right. it. But what's beautiful is when you get to what is probably his last letter, which is Second Timothy, he writes, Um, I'm already being poured out like a libation. The time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith from now on the crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge will award to me on that last day. And so you just get a sense of different stages of Paul's life, but this constant battle, this constant, you know, race and this running for, for faith. Um, the, uh, Sometimes there's like a question of like, what is what does Paul mean by salvation? And sometimes even when you talk to some Protestants, they believe once saved, always right, saved, right. which by the way, is not all Protestants. You know, that's just some some denominations uh, believe that. But Paul talks about salvation really in three ways. He talks about how he was saved, which is what Jesus Christ did on Jesus. the cross. Mm-hmm. He talks about he is being saved, you know, which is the the work of redemption that God is doing in his life. And then he's talking about he will be saved you know, which is what he's awaiting for at, at his death. And I think that attitude of the Lord saved us and the Lord is saving us and the Lord will save us and seeing it as it, it, it's a race and you don't plateau. You don't kind of get a prize and then right. you're done. You rest on your laurels. That ties into his earlier theme of working out salvation and fear and trembling. Um, and he's just talking about, you know what, I'm going to forget what's behind me and I'm going to strain to what lies ahead, and that's the hope. You know, we talk, we've we talked so many times on this podcast. Hope is a vision of eternity. Hope is rooted in the confidence of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the salvation that he has won for us and the fact that he is coming again. And I like, <laughs> it's almost like a little bit of shade at the end of it. He's like, so I hope you understand that. Uh, if you don't, well— God will reveal it to you. Those of us who are mature, mature get it. Growing. If you don't, you know what? It's okay. Hang in there, kids. God will tell you someday. Yeah. Uh, but we should all just keep going. Uh, you know, going forward. And then He makes this comparison. Oh, one more thing about this, as the next verse, seventeen. Join uh, with others in being imitators of me. Right. I that too. It's crazy. He says this a lot. I mean, it's, this isn't the only time he says it. He will frequently in his letters say, "Look, just." Just remember what I did and do that. I mean, that becomes his model yeah. of teaching. And it really shows um, that so much of the faith is more of an apprenticeship in faith yeah, yeah. than just a teaching. I mean,
1: isn't that what discipleship is, though? I right. Mean, Jesus literally, he, he gathered them and he just we, they spent time with him. And that's why it's so important that we understand and spend time with the scriptures, with especially with the gospels, that yes. we need to just pay attention in the way he related and the way he re- reacted and how he engaged the people that 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 was their that was their school right that right. was their 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 training in their lead, in their um discipleship was just that it, it's interesting first off that was the the reading you did from timothy was a reading that i that we did at my dad's funeral and it's Is that something, right? yeah. there's something beautiful about that right i've i've literally i've competed well i finished the race so that was beautiful but i love why he says join in others in, in being imitators of me um join with others so he's already cl- stating that people are already imitating him so right. join with others but I remember one time I was at a men's retreat in Arizona, I believe. And somebody was, yeah, they were just doing, you know, how, how great I was doing and this, that, and the other. And and I and I made some reference like, um, you know, I struggle too, or or I have a hard time sometimes too. And it was really interesting. This guy just said, he said, no. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, No. He goes, I just need to believe that that we can do it, that I can actually do it. And, <laughs> yeah. and I in at that moment there was kind of this grace that I knew what he meant. I right. mean, it wasn't like he was putting me out to be perfect, but he just wanted to be able to know, like Paul, that there's somebody doing it. And you know it just really it kind of stopped me in my tracks that that on one level, yes, I realize that that I struggle like anybody else, right? Right. But there is this sense of people want to be able to see people that that they can look to and then inspire them. And so that's this tension, right? That, that I can't merely live my life so that everybody worried about what everyone else is thinking. But, but there is that, that Paul's be imitators of me and, and be comfortable with that. And it's kind of this challenge that's always presented to me. So. Well,
0: and, and as we are celebrating the feast of St. Francis, how many people like yourself imitators of Francis, like we, we want to see, we want to see it. We want to hear about it, and and see it lived out, in a in a, in a life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Jesus is the perfect model of holiness, um, but then to see how others are able to do that is really edifying to us and is encouraging to us. That wow, okay, now I can I can see how to do it. And really, it is. It's about, as Francis says, it's missionary. Pope Francis says, it's missionary disciples accompany missionary disciples. You know, it's that, e- it's that idea of, in this path of discipleship, we're together on this. It's not just, you know, reading a book in a corner, right, right, right. you know, but it's being with others. It's about relationship. And it's about discipling yeah. others. It's about opening our lives to help yeah, others yeah, that's grow in good, that's faith.
1: cool, Bobby, because I think that's something that we as Catholics, honestly, we don't use that term very. Right. It's kind of I mean, weird. Yeah, it's like, who are you discipling or who discipled you? Now, it's part of its language. It's, you know, it said, you know, who, who helped you in your faith, who helped you. I mean, that's discipling, but... It is a word that would probably be good for us to try to adopt and, and be a little bit more intentional about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz people are, yeah, I've sometimes I've used that language and someone's like, "Well, I'm a disciple of Jesus." It's like, "Well, yeah, we all are, but yeah. like like Franciscans find their path to Jesus through imitating Francis yeah, and yeah. you know, I mean, you look at the whole church, we're trying to imitate Paul. And yeah. so it's not uncommon for someone to say, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to apprentice you, you know, follow me as I as I follow Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's a important thing we, for us to please do. Please, Lord.
1: I think we've all had people in our life like that. I think of yeah. you know, some of the friars that were so influential in my life when I was younger, and hopefully, I'm helping impact some of the younger friars now. But yeah, I think absolutely. I, I think my
0: I think of my grandmother. I think of my. Is that the one that was a pilot? Um, no, she was just she was my grandmother. Man. I thought she was talking. That was my man. uncle. Oh. But I also do think of my bionic aunt, who is a Carmelite hermit. Yeah. If you haven't been able to tell, this is an evening podcast, everybody. (laughs) So uh, we we apologize. And then one last thing as we conclude this. um, He talks about those that have fallen away. Um, He says, many, and I've told you and I tell you, even in tears, become Mm. enemies. Mm -hmm. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their minds occupied with earthly things, and and please God, can be so (laughs) to the point, yeah, just boom. And and I think that too, you know, even as we're talking about earlier, guarding it, you know, my mind can just be so on earthly things, and Mm. so Lord, save us from that. And He reminds us, our citizenship is Is in in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him to bring all things into subjection into himself. And that's the second coming. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead. And that particular text is quoted in the catechism, uh, you know, regarding our hope in the resurrection of the dead and the future that awaits us. Amen. Amen. Would you close this in a prayer, Father Dave? I'm just so crazy right now.
1: <laughs> I was going to mention— You I, need to watch the video, all no, the weird looks not. he's been giving me this whole but time. But just, just that, that our citizenship is in heaven. That ultimately, our hope, our glory, I mean, that that's what we're about. So, yeah. Was it—who's um, the guy that wrote Seven Habits? Uh, Stephen Covey. No, not Seven Habits. okay. Um, purpose-driven life. Wasn't that that we have a heaven? Rick Warren. Yeah, wasn't that one of the things is that the part, part of the purpose-driven life is that we're we're heaven-oriented, that, that whatever yeah. it is. So I, I just, I mean, ultimately that's what it's about. Our cit- citizenship is there. So keep we our eyes fixed our on right, things above right,
0: and not things on earth. And today we're taking a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Nine verses, but they're power-packed. And here it is. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, beloved. I urge Eudoia and I urge Synth to come to a mutual understanding in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, my true yoke mate, to help them. For they have struggled at my side in promoting the gospel, along with Clement and my other co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, then the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Yeah. Amen. What are some things Can that jump out to you, Father, in, that, in those scriptures?
1: The first thing that jumped out at me is a verse at the end of looks like verse three, when he's naming all the people that he's worked with and it says, and my co my other coworkers whose names are in the book of life, that would be you. You're not uh, your the, name is the end, companion. Be <laughs> You're, yep. Your name is not going to be mentioned again. It's just going to be in the book of life.
0: No, I'm right. As long as I'm I, in there.
1: I love this uh, the I mean there's a lot of it that's really, really rich, but Um, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. I love that connection that he makes about anxiety and making your request known, is that the Lord really desires us to come in and lay that before him. And it's not selfish, it's not self-consumed, but he desires that we come and bring our request. And then he says, then once we do that, once we surrender him, once we make our request known, then the peace of god that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind Um, that idea of the peace of the lord which surpasses all understanding i mean it's it's more than we could possibly imagine and i think oftentimes in the world we we sell peace short i mean to have greater peace which surpasses all understanding uh, i think that's what the lord desires for us and and there's an intimate connection about making our requests, surrendering, giving to the Lord, um, and allowing Him to take away our anxiety and peace. So that was the first thing that caught my mind.
0: Yeah, you know, the the intro into this, and, and I love how personal Paul gets uh, in all of his letters. You know, these are letters written to a community. And he's really worried about, you know, two people in that community who are struggling with each other. Uh, you know, it's almost it's almost kind of tearing him apart. And it's good to keep this section of the letter uh, in connection with other sections, because as we talked about in chapter 2 earlier, he's really talking about, look, if there's any encouragement in Christ, solace and love, complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. So this idea of unity and being together in unity is a, is a key concern of Paul in this letter of the Philippians. And I think uh, it's something that we always really need to be fighting for in the church, mm-hmm. is that idea of unity, because you know, by ourselves, we we tend to divide, we tend to get into camps or cliques or different groups. And so Paul, even just writing from a distance, you know, he's hearing about two people fighting, maybe two different groups that are happening. And he's he's saying like, can you help this out? It's like so important. And it's also in all of his other letters, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's Paul or Apollos, it's about Christ, it's about Christ, it's about Christ. And so that lead into this about, First of all, he's talking about difficulty, and then he's saying, rejoice. Like, mm. what's the answer? How do we how do we come together in unity? It's about rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Like, he's just, he can't make it a stronger emphasis in this particular letter, especially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, again, Paul, and if you think about how Paul's conversion came about through you know, the martyrdom of Stephen and, mm-hmm. and them him having to go to Ananias, I believe it was, that there was this, the very beginnings of his conversion, there was this bridge that needed to be gul- this gulf between them that had to be this broken, this divide that had to be brought together. So I wonder if that was part of what Paul's, his continually calling for unity, calling yeah. for unity because it was born out of a disunity. So th- I think there's probably something to that. Um, but then, and maybe just what my personal last thought is, I you could just pray over that the last text, Whatever is true, whatever is yeah. honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's a, any excellence and there's worthy of praise, think about these things. And that again, and probably this connection to the anxiety. So oftentimes our prayer is is about things that causes yeah. us anxiety. And he invites us to do that. But then he follows it up with, Whatever is pure. I mean, just to reflect on that. Whatever is holy. Just reflect on that. Yeah. And and yeah. This this brings soothes soothes our heart and frees us from anxiety and frustration and fear. So, and then keep on doing what the Lord's done for you.
0: And do our lives reflect yeah. a people who is thinking about whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is holy, yeah, whatever is yeah. perfect. In my mind, many times it's whatever is wrong, whatever kid is in trouble, whatever work I haven't gotten done yet, whatever's going on in politics, whatever's going on in the diocese, whatever you know, like it's just exactly. so easy to just be drawn into those things. And of course, our whole media mm. exists to ruffle our feathers, no, to make that's us absolutely right. You know, without peace and to give us anxiety, because we're we're more apt to click on things if we're anxious about things then if everything's fine, you know, we often don't do that. And so we have to be aware, particularly in our social media-driven world, that anxiety is a hot commodity. Anxiety is a big, big business, maybe the biggest business out there. And it equals billions of dollars (laughs) for certain groups, even within the church. I mean, even when you look in uh, some of the way the church handles media, or maybe not the church, but Catholics handle media, it can be that... Anxiety-driven. Be afraid. Click here to find out more. And that's again yeah, not to say that wrong. there's not problems, but right. you rarely yeah. hear the right.
1: Right. Well, in, in the end of that text is again it brings you to peace. That mm. you know you watch certain news or, or pay attention to certain websites or bloggers or, I mean, it's it it is intended to rile you up. Yeah. And again, that's that's not to say we bury our heads in the sand. That's not at all what I'm saying. But the, the end of that text again, all of these things, and what is it going to bring us? Ultimately, it's going to bring us peace. Um, so, yeah, turn off the TV, turn off the news every now and then, and reflect what is good, what is pure, what is beautiful, what is holy, and tell me if it doesn't have some positive impact on your heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. amen. You know, they, there was a survey done recently with teenagers um, that, you know, teenagers, I mean, there's this anxiety epidemic among teenagers, especially. And when they go into counseling, one of the first things counselors tries to do, they just try to say, can you just take a week off your phone? And their levels drop, anxiety drop dramatically.
1: You know, I think, Bob, we talked about the unplugged scholarship at the university, but those university students who who give up their smartphones for a year and receive a scholarship grant for that, I mean, across the board, they're like, I'm more peaceful. I'm, I don't feel like I'm missing things. It's interesting. They don't feel like they're missing things because they're not on telling everybody, telling them what they're missing. It's just, yeah, it's pretty deceptive.
0: So. Well, then the question might be, what do I do if I put my phone away? And the answer is given to us by St. Paul. Like, well, focus on what is just, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, on excellence, on things worthy of praise. You know, the world... Is filled with those things that sounds you know in, that in sounds God's like baseball <laughs> Does paul it is inviting us does to watch though? a baseball game. it does i think your translation a, is
1: a little bit weird well maybe it's am i reading into that text
0: maybe 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 you're projecting maybe that's an yourself an text. okay all right yeah fair. it's an ex. it's an exogenical hermeneutic with which you are you uh, interpreting there the text go. probably right, incorrectly but it That's concludes true. here with again something Paul keeps doing. He says, "Just keep on doing what you have learned and received, and heard and seen in me." Again, he's he's always bringing back his own example. Like, look, I, I apprenticed you, I discipled you. Like, don't get mm-hmm. don't get distracted by these other things. Just just keep doing. You know, come back mm-hmm. to your first mm-hmm. love. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And that goes up to verse five. Uh, your kindness should be known to all. Yeah. The Lord yeah. is near, and yeah. the nearness of the Lord is hope, right? I mean, that's what we often try to come back to on this particular podcast, but it's the idea that even if everything is a mess, when Christ comes again, it won't make a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, And, and even, even much of what we're concerned about won't make a difference a couple days from now or a couple months yeah. from now, certainly not a couple years from now, but in yeah. light of the glory of God, uh, even the even death itself shouldn't have us stop rejoicing in the Lord because he's conquered death. And so in the midst mm. of that, that's why he's inviting us into peace. And this is a guy who suffered, by the way. This isn't somebody, you know, living a cush life. I mean, this is a guy who was constantly imprisoned and beaten and shipwrecked. And, you know, he, can, he has the right to say these things. You know, he, he wasn't just sitting in a comfy chair yeah, hypothesizing right, yeah. about this. He was really living the faith. And he was realizing it's, it's all about rejoicing. It's always about rejoicing. Because even Amen. if the world doesn't give us cause to rejoice, God always does. And we have to Amen. look for that. Amen. We get to finish our letter today, our letter to the Philippians. It's been only four chapters, and what a wonderful four chapters it has been. Uh, we're looking at verses 10 through 23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, now that at last you revived your concern for me. You were, of course, concerned about me, but lacked an opportunity. Not that I say this because of need, for I have learned in whatever situation I find myself to be self-sufficient. I know how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need, I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. You Philippians indeed know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, not a single church shared with me in an account of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was at Thessalonica, you sent me something for my needs, not only once but more than once. It is not that I am eager for the gift. Rather, I am eager for the profit that accrues to your account. I have received full payment, and I abound. I am very well supplied because of what I received from you through Ephroditus, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. My God will fully supply whatever you need, in according with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To God our Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to every holy one in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. All the holy ones send you their greetings, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit,
1: and with yours as well.
0: Amen. And with that, he concludes his letter
1: to the no Philippians. More writing. All right, a couple of things. Um, one of the things that I was thinking when it talks about uh, I know how to live with and without, with well, with being hungry in abundance. I think one of the, I was going to say all the saints, but that may not be fair. One of the things that I, about St. Francis and many of the saints was just that, their ability to be present to the moment. So it's so oftentimes we're thinking about what isn't or what mm. should be yeah. or what we wished was or it didn't work out. And and I think that's what Paul is saying is that whatever circumstances, obviously it, it, the beginning is that this invitation to rejoice again. Whatever situation they find themselves in, that the Lord is present. Even when I said... The Lord smiled smiled on me. He always does. So I, I think that there is something to that, that recognition that no matter what the circumstances, that God is present. Yeah. And, and I think that's also when we're praying for things and asking for things, if we don't get what we asked for or prayed for, it doesn't mean that God wasn't present to right. that. It's not present to us. or it didn't turn out, we think we were supposed to do something and it didn't quote unquote turn out, doesn't mean that we didn't do what the Lord wanted us to do. It's just be present to him, be present to his people in front of us, and then trust that everything else is going to be made pro- made available for us.
0: And that attitude that he has, you know, which is, you know, I'm really glad you gave me a gift, but I'm really glad for your sake that you gave me a gift, not mm. for my sake. You know, he's saying, like, look, I've gone hungry, and I've had lots of food. You know, I've, I've had everything. I've had nothing. Like, it, it really, you know, he's, he's very detached from that. He's like, hey, one way or the other, it's fine, but what I'm really psyched about is you guys, and you guys are going to get so much grace— from this gift that you gave to me yeah. in the ministry I was doing, I actually thought of you and maybe you can share a little bit about that because you have a vow of poverty. I do. And um, one of the... Everybody, everybody
1: seems to remind me of that. Is that right? Yeah, you've said it twice tonight.
0: Have I? Well, I said it once in once. the beginning. Yeah, yeah, Well, because I was leading into this statement.
1: Well, you mentioned about our TVs, but that's okay.
0: Well, I think it's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, you have a vow of poverty. Have I, I said that before? Yep. Okay. So you have a vow of poverty. And probably something, have you ever, I mean, I imagine before you became president, did you ever do this kind of fundraising, you know, millions of dollars yeah. sitting in front of people, you know, cause it'd be a little different if, you know, it's not like just closing a big contract. Yeah, like I yeah. remember my dad, you know, when he would close a big contract would come home and he'd you have be a very nice, excited have a nice and and all and all yeah, I mean, we would go out to dinner, you know, because he just scored a few million dollars for the company yeah, and yeah. yeah. You know, but some of that was he money was going right into his pocket, yeah, yeah, in sure. our pockets, you know, as a, as a family. But uh, for you, it's really, is it just the ability to rejoice in their giving? Because, yeah, how does well, that work?
1: Yeah, that, that, right, that they're a part of, and that's really what Paul is saying is that you're a part of my ministry. It's yeah. interesting. They said you're the only group that reached out. You're the only group that helped, <laughs> right. right? So that, and here we are 2,000 years later talking about their generosity mm. to him. So that's really, I mean, when, when I'm with people, it's it's all about inviting them to be a part of what we're doing and to be a part of the Mission of Franciscan University. And and people get really emotional about that. I mean, I've mm. I've been with people and you know, made major donations to the university when I talked to them and invited them to be a part of what we're doing here. One particular individual he started crying and he mm. said, I'm just I'm so humbled that you think of me and my wife, enough of me and my wife that you'd allow us to be a part of what you're doing. It's like I mean, I was so humbled by that. It's like, my goodness, we're not able to do. And and it's, and same with Paul is, is that we're not able to do what we do without you know people's generosity. Right. And honestly, sometimes people give wealthy people a hard time, and some of them deserve it. But the reality is, is so many of the good things that take place in the church are because wealthy people share with that yeah. and 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 donate. Yeah. It was interesting being in in Germany or in Austria last week. Their idea of donating to church is not, like, there's not that practice of that, that that people don't make generally large donations to churches or schools because it's all government supported.
0: Right, they have a a church tax. Right,
1: right, the idea of benefaction towards, that's just not, it's not part of their tradition. So when we're, if we're trying to raise money for gaming, you know, Austrian people, although there's a few people that have been very generous, so I'm going to be really clear about that. <laughs> right, um, But it's just not part of their trust tradition. I had something happen actually when I was a young priest. Um, somebody wanted to give me something. I can't even remember what it was. No, no, no. It was somebody wanted to give another friar a guitar. Okay, And the friar said to a, another friar, an older, more wise friar, he said, you know, it would be nice to have one, but they could use their money on something else, right? And, and the prayer said, sometimes it's allowing them to do that for you hmm. and, and the blessing that they'll receive from being able to do that. And that's really true that when, when you offer something to a mission that you ultimately believe in, and right. there, is, there is a grace, there's a blessing that comes from that. I'm sure you and Jen have experienced that as well.
0: Oh, no, we've experienced incredible generosity yeah, over yeah. our years working at working in a parish or, you know, just, I mean, you, you talk about a guitar. I mean, I remember. Well, um,
1: the individual who sent you a guitar from the yeah, listener. I yeah, mean, exactly. That's just so crazy. It, you
0: know, and, and, and it, it blows me away, you know, that kind of generosity and that kind of help. And yeah, I think there's a part of it that you think, gosh, well, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's so humbling. You, it, It's almost probably like, it's a bit like getting your feet washed,
1: you yeah, know, which yeah, is yeah. like,
0: don't do that. Like, yeah, like yeah, stop yeah. that. Yeah. And and you're right, though. There is a way that letting people help you in need, I mean, first you have to admit you have a need, but allowing people to help and to serve in those moments, you know, to pull your feet away or to say, oh, I don't need that when you know you do is it's, denying it's, 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 a person an opportunity to, it, to be blessed and, yeah. and to have grace.
1: And it is an interesting thing that when the, on the various studies on why people give, do you know what the main reason people give? No. It makes them feel better.
0: Oh, really? I mean, there's something
1: about that. I yeah. mean, you've donated and you've helped yeah. out other people. So this sense that, that they feel like they're able to help people or organizations or institutions, and, and that's not a bad thing, You know, that, it, that yeah. it stirs something in our heart that we feel good about that.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that it's almost a – it's not just a – a selfishness. It's a, it's a beatitude. I I was, I was made to give. And I love what mother Teresa used to say. She said, God has all the money in the world. He just put it in other people's pockets. pockets, Yeah, And and there's something about that when, if we've been blessed and we share, it just feels so right, you know, as opposed to spending it on another piece of junk that we could care less about. No, there really is. There really is a blessing about that. And I think it's really cool. I mean, I think that's, I think it's one of the beautiful things about Franciscan is it's led by friars. And I imagine there's a level of even more trust because, well, we know you're not not going to buy a plane. It's a similar thing. If I
1: come in next week and we've got a new TV. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's right. You know, it's a similar thing. My wife works, uh, really runs uh, Father Louis Morozny's charity, Mission to the Beloved. And people have been generous, especially after the earthquake, you know, with that. And that ministry is simply Father Louis. It's just, it's just him. And my wife helps him with the details of it. And, and a lot of people just love that because, you know, we're not, sometimes you give to a a group and then you just end up getting like an envelope from them like every week and it just becomes this kind of insane thing and you know there's groups out there that raise money for larger corporations and they make a cut of it so they just keep sending you materials and stuff like that but when you know the people like when you have a relationship i'm not saying don't support yeah, those yeah, groups, yeah. but when you know people and you have a relationship and you just see how simple it is and you can really see the direct like no that and, money you gave look here's the person you fed and,
1: and i think that's what's, what's that's what's powerful I, I think that's what's important too about franciscan is the reality is we don't have this huge endowment that some right. other school I mean, we've we've got a little bit, but not like these other schools. So when somebody gives to a scholarship, I mean I can show you pictures of kids yeah. literally you gave us this money, this kid's here because of that. Yeah. And I've
0: and, had them in my office yeah, and I've exactly. seen them I, cry with joy absolutely. when it comes through. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing.
1: So, you know, some of these schools that have billions of literally billions, the kids couldn't have, yeah. wouldn't have to pay 10,000 I mean, students, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. So no, that's, that's a great blessing of that. So that's interesting that you kind of picked up on that. The other part of this text is I, I can, I have the strength for everything through yeah. him who empowers me. It's just, obviously that's one of the more, one of the classic lines, but um. Yeah, with everything through him who empowers me.
0: Yeah, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most popular verses I can do. I can do all things through him who gives me strength or lots of different variations of it. You know, I've been reading uh, this book by Jacques Philippe. Father Jacques Philippe. Father Jacques Philippe, uh, Interior Freedom. And it's a little bit of a long quote, but it really, I think it fit exactly what Paul was talking about. Because he was, you know... Paul didn't use the word freedom, but you could tell he was living in freedom, even though he was in chains. I mean, even though he was in prison, he wasn't worried about this stuff. Like, he And even if he's getting money or not, if he's well-fed or he's not, if he's being persecuted, if he's free, you know, we even just heard a few days ago in the liturgy he talked about, I don't even know if I want to be alive or not, you know, like, but if I'm, if I'm alive, then I'm helping you and that's great. But if I'm not, I'm with the Lord. That's great. That's even greater, but I'll stick around as long as the Lord wants to have that kind of detachment is really to have that kind of freedom, um, which ties into our scripture verse for the school year, you know, for freedom, Christ. Set you free. So, this is just a quote from uh, Father Philippe, and it's, it's a wonderful book called Interior Freedom. I'd recommend the whole book.
1: Just for the record, the friars are, and we do have recollections, and, yeah. and that's, we're reading that as a community of oh, the friars right? in the house. Are oh, that's that
0: awesome. Now. Jesus was surrounded by a sea of evil, hatred, violence, and lies. His heart was broken and pierced, and he suffered more than anyone has ever suffered. But the wrong done to him did not penetrate him because his heart was full of trust in his Father abandonment, and loving self-offering. We should follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. That was a quote from 1 Peter. Mm -hmm. So too with Our Lady at the foot of the cross. She drank the cup of suffering, but her heart remained pure. It held no fear, no rebellion, no hatred, no despair, but only acceptance, forgiveness, and hope. If the wrongs people commit do penetrate our hearts, that is because they find room there. If suffering makes us bitter and ill-humored, It is because our hearts are devoid of faith, hope, and love. But if our hearts are filled with total trust in God and love for him and our neighbor, there is no room there for evil, hurt, and harm. St. Maximilian Kolbe died in the starvation bunker at Auschwitz, but his heart remained pure and intact in that hellish place because he felt no hatred for his executioners and consented to give up his life for love. He and his companions sang the Magnificat as they were dying. They conquered evil with good.
1: Amen. That's a good place to stop, Bob.
0: Yeah. I mean, just that attitude of, you know, that's, and we're celebrating all saints, you know, uh, by the time you hear this podcast, yesterday. it'll be, it'll be yesterday. Um, but I think that's one of the great thing that the saints show us is that in every circumstance, yeah. um, we see holiness. You mm-hmm. know, you can't just say, oh, saints are, I mean, I remember I, I read a story of a soul with kids in the youth group when I was a youth minister and they loved it. But one of them said, yeah, but. How easy it would have been to be a saint in that household. Yeah, you sure, know? And sure. in some ways, yeah, okay, right, everyone's joining the convent, you know, everybody's praying and but you find in every circumstance saints, you know, yeah. whether the you know, the worst persecution. I mean, you think of Auschwitz or America or Russia or China, yeah, like yeah, wherever yeah. it is, in every time in every place. And I think that's what the saints remind us of, and I think that's exactly what Paul is trying to say. Yeah. Like we can always it's really easy to blame we always want to change the externals, right? Like yeah. that's our prayer. Yeah, exactly. Change exactly. them. Yeah. And God says, Mm-mm, I'm going to change you. Yeah. And I want to give you the strength to go through anything because I'm with you. Right. I think just
1: the point was just that, was that if our if our heart is so full of Jesus and so full of his presence and so full of his peace and his hope, and his joy, there's just not room for anything else. So, Amen. Lord, that that would be the case, that our hearts would be so full of you that there's not room for anything else.
0: And that's the joy that Paul talks about. Amen. Let's close in prayer.
1: Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you for St. Paul and the witness of faith that he provides and how the word of God animates and stirs in our heart. We pray that that be true in our life, that we can do all things through you. We thank you for fellowship and for faith. And Jesus, we pray for that person who's struggling most today. Uh, be present to them at this moment. May the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Be good. Hey, uh, we'll be back next week, and we're still trying to figure out what we might want to do for our next theme. So we won't jump into it next week, but if you'd like to, shoot us an email hope at franciscan.edu. Hope at franciscan.edu. God bless. See you, Bob. See you, Father Dave.